0: You're listening to Life Church podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Okay, we're in uh, a series on evangelism, and within this series, we have a two-part. Uh, message. We gave the first part last week, and I'm going to pick up on that this week and give you part two. And uh, so we're still talking about why evangelize? Why share the gospel? That's kind of the big question that's out there in front of us. So let's go to 2 Corinthians and uh, look at chapter 5, and uh, let's begin at verse 11. Now if you're one of those wonderful people who sits there going, oh no, there was a part one and I missed it. This is not going to be good. I can't... One stood alone. It's okay. You, this will stand alone, hopefully, and uh, you'll be good. And if you want to go back and get one, it's on the podcast. All right? So you can, can do that. All right? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, you are here. Would you just quiet us now? In a beautiful and wonderful way, would you come to us and speak to our hearts today? Would you open our minds to understand? Would you open our hearts to receive? Would you strengthen us and instill in us a great courage and a great boldness to be your witness in the earth? Would you today increase? Would you allow me to decrease so that your increase is evident and real for every person in this room? Would you change us today? Would you make us different than we have been? Would you do something in us that, that moves us to be more like you and to follow you in deeper ways? Would you get all the glory and the honor and the praise for this day? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I'm, I'm so excited about this series, and I know you go, oh, Pastor Bill, you say that about every series, you say that about every sermon, you say that about every day, uh, and you're right, it's true, I do, uh, but right now, we're here, we're here in the now, all right, and so I want to be excited about the moment, all right, I want to be excited about the series that we're in, uh, because I think this is God's heart, I think this is what God is all about, I think he's all over this thing of evangelism, and I don't think we can get away from it, I don't think... It is something that we can set aside or that we can box and and shove on a a shelf and leave somewhere. I think that we are in this with Him. I think that we do this together. I think this is kind of that place where we come alongside God, you know, and and together we work and we labor in the kingdom, and, and the whole thing is about sharing this wonderful, wonderful gospel of the resurrected Jesus Christ all right and that is it that is that's the ball of wax if you and it's a big ball okay but it is the ball of wax and so that is that is a part a huge part of the whole like like dynamic of life church all right so when you come to life church you're going to get some gospel all right When, when 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 people drop the name life church in the neighborhood I pray to our God that people will go oh yeah that's that church that shares the gospel All right, that that is part of the identifier, you know, that is the tag. All right, so uh, we're going to get a Facebook page here, I think, in the next week. And so maybe that would be everybody's little tag about us on Facebook is, well, they share the gospel. All right. They're about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that is the defining thing. All right. There are wonderful ministries out there and their, their whole defining our our, our, our our tag is about prayer. That is great. That's not who we are. We pray. We pray a lot. But that is not the, 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 the thrust and the emphasis of who we are. It is the gospel. It is evangelism. You can't evangelize without prayer. All right. So we got to have prayer. But but when it comes down to it, what is life church all about? Life church is about the resurrected Jesus. All right. That is our message. That is that is what we give. That is what we deliver. Alright? And we want to do that with prayer. There are other churches that, that are about other things, you know, feeding the poor and, and 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 addressing social justice issues. Great. That's not who we are. All right, we're, we're, we'll support them. We'll be arm in arm with them, and we will do that. We will feed the poor in Sioux Falls, in other countries. We're going to Swaziland for crying out loud! You know, we're, we're going to do these things. But that is not the, the the huge dynamic. That is not the heartbeat of Life Church. The heartbeat of Life Church is evangelism. It is discipleship. It is sharing the gospel of Jesus and making us more like Him. All right, being His disciples. And so, when people think about this church, that's what we want to convey. That's, and, and we're going to do that by being living epistles, all right? by being witnesses and living this out around uh, other people that we come into contact with. And in particular, this neighborhood that God has put us in. All right? We're trying to do things to make that better, to make that easier. All right? I'm not saying it's going to always be easy, but we're doing what we can to try to draw people to Jesus. And some of those things are, are unique things. Things and and, and and fun things, and some of them are just practical things. I mean, thank you for for your patience with remodeling. You know, we're remodeling this room to make it warmer in the in the winter and cooler in the summer and maybe a little bit softer and more appealing. That's something that, that we're doing. We just bought the land next door to us here. That's all settled. We finally got all the papers in the mail this week. It's a done deal. We own that property. All right. We're gonna paint over that for sale sign and say a future site for some kind of ministry for Life Church, so that people know that this is something that we are intentional about. We are in this neighborhood, we came to this neighborhood, and we came to stay, all right? We're here. We're not leaving, we're not exiting, we're not checking out. This is not a hotel church, all right? We don't come in and check in and then check out in a a few days. No, we're here to stay, all right? So, having said that, let's talk a little bit more about why we evangelize. Why do we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, just just sit and listen to me for a minute. Let me just tell you a true story. May seventh, a few years ago, not many, just a few. There was a marine. His name was Roger Sims. He was hijacking uh, on his way home. He had been discharged from the military. Um, I think he was a marine. He could have been in the army, um, but anyway, he uh, he sort of you know flashed his little. Hitchhiking sign at a car... And, uh, and uh, he sort of, as he was doing it, he says he sort of lost hope that he would get a ride because the closer the car got to him, he realized that it was this really brand new, shiny black Cadillac, and he was like, well, they're not going to pick me up, you know, a, a rugged looking guy, hitchhiker, whatever. But to his amazement, the car stopped, all right? Um, Roger got into the car from the passenger side. Uh, he noticed that the driver was this, this handsome, sort of uh, well-dressed, business-type man uh, in, his, in his 50s, you know, side note, I think all men who are in their 50s are handsome, um, but back to, to the matter at hand, um, I, I, he, he looks this guy over, you know, and, and sees that he is, you know, this well-dressed, sort of an impressive man, and uh, he says that um, the guy looks at him, smiles, and says, hey, you going home for keeps? He's in uniform, and, uh, and Roger speaks to him, and he, and he says, uh, says, yeah, sure am. And so uh, the two converse. Roger uh, was able to find out this guy's name. He, he was Mr. Hanover. He operated a business in Chicago, uh, very big business, very successful businessman. Um, but the thing that was happening was that as Roger is talking to Mr. Hanover in the Cadillac on the way to the city of Chicago, uh, and as they're getting closer and closer to Roger's home, something is happening inside of Roger, and there is this impetus. There is this sort of um, uh, compelling thing that's happening uh, that's going on inside of me. And it is, I should witness to this guy about Jesus. So there's two tracks, you know, he's talking to Mr. Hanover and they're talking about life and they're talking about the business and they're talking about the military and they're talking about Iraq and and all these kinds of things. But on the other side, there's a track over here that Mr. Hanover doesn't know anything about and it's God and Roger talking and God is saying, talk to him about Jesus. And he's wrestling with this. And so just about 30 minutes out from his home where this man would stop and and drop him off and and never see him again, probably, uh, Roger gets up the courage and he says, hey, can I talk to you about something? And he shares Jesus. And he says, would you like to accept Jesus as your Savior? And Mr. Hanover looks at him, pulls the car right over to the side of the road, turns it off, puts his head on, on, on the steering wheel, weeps, And as he's weeping, he says, yes, I would. And he leads him to Jesus. Shares the gospel with this uh, successful businessman. In just a few minutes, they drive off. In a few more minutes, he stops at Roger's house and drops him off. And let's fast forward. Five years later, Roger has married. He has a two-year-old son. He has a business of his own. He's getting ready to go to a business meeting in Chicago. And as he's packing his bag, he comes across a business card that Mr. Hanover gave to him. He looks at the card and he says, you know what, I'm going to look that guy up. He gets to Chicago. He checks in. He does the things he has to do. But in that, finds the time and he goes to Hanover Enterprises. And he goes up to some floor in the building there. Um, and as he does, he walks into a, a very beautiful, big office, a reception says, Hi, what can I do for you, sir? And he says, I'd like to see Mr. Hanover. And she said, Well, that would be impossible, but you can see Mrs. Hanover, and I will get her. In a few moments, double doors open. She walks out. This is a businesswoman, very astute, very lovely woman. And she invites him into her office, and he comes in, and she says, So tell me. When did you meet my husband? May 7th, he said. Really? And were there any unique circumstances surrounding that meeting? Well, yeah. Um, I shared Jesus with him, and he put his head on his steering wheel and began to weep, and he accepted Christ. Christ. And in that moment, Mrs. Hanover was taken back. She began to sob uncontrollably. This very controlled and well-kept businesswoman began to sob. And she said, "Um," I'll, I'll try to shorten the story a bit. She said to him, shortly after my husband dropped you off, he was killed in a car accident his caddy was hit. I had asked God to save my husband. On that day, I walked away from God because I believed that God had lied to me. I believed that God was unfaithful, and my hurt drew me away from God. I tell you this story to say two things to you. Number one, that God is always the God who rescues. And somehow God knew that on that day, Mr. Hanover would meet a a, a Marine or, or military man, if you will. And that man would be able to share with him the love of Jesus and he would accept Him. And he knew that he would get it done just in the nick of time. Because only miles down the road, He would see the Savior face to face. When I say we're all about the gospel, that's what I'm talking about, folks. We we come into this story, this epic, unbelievable, amazing story of God's Son sent into the earth, as Pastor Dave so beautifully showed you a couple of Sundays ago, to be the rescuer. The one who rescues out of darkness. The one who rescues out of sin. The one who rescues out of hell, if you will. Alright? And brings in. But I want, to, I want to expand that today and I want to challenge you a little further. Because I don't believe it's only just about the lost and the unsaved. But I believe that God is also the rescuer who comes in and rescues Christians I believe that this God can touch a Christian who's hurt and wounded and in despair and who, who will, whose testimony is I walked away from God a few years ago and I haven't been faithful to Him because I got hurt or, or I, I, I started to wrestle with unbelief or I, I bought into doubt or I came into agreement with a lie or whatever. See, I believe, I believe that God is still rescuing you and I. I don't believe that rescue is a momentary thing. I don't believe it's it's some moment in time and you you put a pin on your timeline of your life and say, that's where I got rescued. I think you're continually, you and I, we are continually being rescued by this rescuer. (laughs) The mercies are new every day. Salvation is every day. Salvation is all day. Salvation is when I sleep at night. The cross is at work 24-7. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ Christ is alive. It is active. It is in my life. It is inside of me. It is inside of you. Paul says, I am dead, yet I live, but it's not me that is living. It is the Christ in me. The rescuer is in you. The ability to rescue is inside of you. It was inside Roger Sims." Not just at that moment when he met a sinner in a car on a highway. But when he met his wife in that building that day. And she had walked away because of hurt and pain and sorrow in her life. And doubt and fear and unbelief. The Rescuer overcame. He overcame sin. He overcame doubt. He overcame unbelief. He overcomes whatever He has to. And you are made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of your lips and the fact that you would not love your life even unto death. And I want to challenge you and I that we come into this epic story. Pastor Dave is going to talk to you possibly next week. About the idea of your story. You've all got one. I've got one. Many of you have heard bits and pieces of mine along the way. Being picked up out of drugs and alcohol on the pavement of a road somewhere out in the country in South Georgia. By just a voice saying, get up. Get up. And that voice saved me from a literal physical death. And a spiritual death. I got rescued. I can't explain to you what my life was like before. I'm not proud of everything after, but I'm going to tell you what. I got rescued. That's my story. is that I was messed up. I was down there. I was on my way further down, and this God spoke to me and said, "Get up." And I got up, I got rescued. You got rescued. There's some some point in your life where you have to be able to look back and say, you know what? I know where I was going. I know where I was. I know what was there. I got rescued. And see, that's the moment when your story gets put in his story. And now it's the story. And we're gonna talk to you in the coming Sundays about you sharing your story. And how that how that comes about. Because see, I I I believe that there's a lot of Rogers out there. I believe there's a lot of Rogers in here. I'm not gonna get through this message today. It's not gonna happen. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go with this, okay? I, I, I just, I, I need to talk to you, out of my heart. It's not so. It's not so rigid. It's not so boxed. It's not so planned. This thing of sharing the gospel. And it's not always uh, a, a, a complete package sometimes we sometimes we we sort of till the ground the bible says you know sometimes we're the ones who just break it up we we help break somebody's heart open and sometimes we plant that seed you know sometimes we we, we put that seed in cover it up and, and get it get it get it good and solid and planted inside the soul of a person and sometimes we just come along and water. We just, we just pour the, the life-giving uh, influence on it so that it begins to grow, sprout and grow. And sometimes we're awfully fortunate to be the one who harvest, who actually brings that person in. It's a beautiful moment. Can I talk about you? Mike Childers is sitting here. And I love this man very dear. I've always loved him since the first day I met him. When I first met him, though, he was a cantankerous man. I'm teasing you. No, he's a brilliant man. A very brilliant man. And... uh, I loved the opportunity to get to know him. Um, at the time of getting to know him, he and his wife had adopted two girls. And, and he came to our church to bring those young ladies to our church. That was, that was sort of the goal, was it? Is that fair to say? Um, <clears throat> they were of a different faith than Mike was. Mike is Jewish. And uh, he was very careful to let me know that right away. That, that he was Jewish, but he wanted the girls to be brought up in their faith, and so he and his wife would bring the girls to church, uh, to, to life church, and, uh, and then we would go to their home and they would, they would take care of us and feed us and bless us and care about us, and we would talk and dialogue and, and, uh, and all of that. Um, they moved away, long story short. Now, Mike went through some challenges in his life and, and some difficulties. Um, and um, uh, a, a lady, uh, in, in the process of all of that, handed him a book. Uh, now, he had, he had grown up being taught things and, and, and he researched in life. I mean, this is a man who, who didn't do things without doing his homework, and so he had researched. He had formulated a, a, a belief system, a value system, and all of that. He was very articulate about it, very convinced about it. Um, it wasn't a bad one, necessarily, okay? Um, it just happened to be the wrong one, okay? Um, but the thing was is that he was a man of integrity. He was a man who lived out of his system. He, he definitely lived out of his system. Um, he called me the other day, um, I don't know where you were, te- were you in Texas or so, yeah, and, uh, and he said these words to me. Now, we had talked along the way about Jesus and, and he sat and listened to me preach and, and was very grace-filled in, in the dialogues when we would talk about the sermons and such um, this Jewish man. And, and I'll, I'll say this now uh, in, in front of him. I didn't say it before, but I, he knew it, I think. I was praying for Mike, and Mike would ask me to pray for him. So we had a wonderful, wonderful relationship at that point. Um, and and I, I prayed for Mike, and, and Pastor Dave prayed for Mike, and Pastor Daniel prayed for Mike. Pastor Daniel was here during that time. We were praying for him, and, and we would talk to him and, and stuff like that. Okay, so then... He leaves here, and I thought, hmm. I wonder what will happen to Mike. I wonder where he'll go spiritually, you know. And uh, and then I, I wonder, well, did I do did I do right by Mike? Should I have been more pointed? Should I have been more diligent? Should I have, you know, done more or tried to to? Um, should I have been a little more pushy? You know, uh, he's strong. He could take it. And. Uh, Long story short, along the way, some little lady did what I didn't, you know, didn't get to do. She put a book in his hand, The Case for Christ. I love it when God knows how to get into someone's head. He knows how they think and how they process. And Mike read the book. And when I, if I get this wrong, straighten me out here, okay. But short story is, Mike read the book. Mike understood the book. Mike understood the defense for Jesus Christ. Mike realized that Mike's old way of thinking was not right, that this was right, that Christ is the Son of God. He died for our sins, He died to save us. He is a rescuer. And Mike put the book down and prayed to the rescuer to be rescued, and today is rescued. Isn't that great? That's a great story. We didn't do it all. We were a part. We we all got to be sort of a part in that process for Mike. But the beauty is that Mike is now in the story. You know, the the great beauty is that Mike was always in the story because he's Jewish. Alright? We weren't always in the story. We got grafted in. Mike's always been in the story. But now he's in the story in a different way. All right? So it's epic. It's epic. We all have a story. Your story will be different than Mike's. All right? Your story will be different than Nathan's. And your story will be different than mine. And it'll be different than Dwayne's. But it's the story. All right. Let's go to the text so that I can say that this is actually a legitimate sermon. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. (laughs) If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Then I love this. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again Notice how he just brought you in there he just got you in them in the story all right so then From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might come to the righteousness of God. Beginning in 6. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For He says, In the time of my favor I heard you. And in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now. Is the day of salvation. Now. Right now. This is not some historical thing that we look back on and say, Well, it was good in the day. But it's different now. This isn't something that we look forward in time towards and say, You know what? Someday it's going to be good. But we're not there yet. It is Now now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. And my big idea today is that living in God's now is the best place to live. Living in God's right now. And here's here's the deception that so many of us have. And that is that when I get to a place, when I get... Uh, educated enough when I get solid enough when I get emotionally uh, well enough when I get discipled enough then I will do whatever like witness break that off of yourself the reality is you are in the now and the now is the favor of God and the day of salvation salvation and I want to challenge you and I that that is, that is where we are going to live. That is where we are going to, to plant ourselves and, and how we are going to be. And so that's why this big question that we have posed for last Sunday and today, and that is, why do we share this gospel? And now let's, let's look here for just a moment. He says, to, to answer that, he He says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. I think one of the reasons that we witness is because we fear God. There's a a reverential fear that is in us, hopefully, or will be instilled in us. God willing, that will cause us to be witnesses, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the first aspect of that reverential fear is, is selfish. It is about you. We, I fear God. I, I fear God more than I fear men, all right? What, what, what does Paul mean here? Is he afraid of the God that he says he calls Abba? I, I don't think so, but I think he understands the greatness of this God and the potential that this God has. And, and he doesn't want to be found lacking. He doesn't want to waste his life. So, so this is, is like a, a reality check. Let me, let me help you to understand that a little better. Let's, let's go back up. We're in verse 11, but look at verse 10. And let's just, let's just help that, let that help us a little bit here to understand this better. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He's talking to believers now. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad is not saying here that your your soul is still in jeopardy he's just saying that you will also appear before the judgment seat the judgment seat isn't just a place for sinners we are all going to stand before God and we're going to give some kind of account with God I don't know the dynamics of how that's going to look uh, of us going to have a father but he is going to look at and evaluate all that we have done or not done and so we stand and I think we need to fear him in that respect He is going to judge us. And so he says, Paul says, because I fear God, I now persuade men. I think we need to get a really big picture of God. We always like to bring God down into our living room and set him in our little rocking chair and make him like us. He is not. He doesn't fit. Not only does he not fit in your rocking chair, honey, he don't fit in your living room. He's just not that way. He's not that small. He is a really big God. And Paul knows that he's going to have to give an account. So there's, there, there, there needs to be some type of reality check, I think, for you and I in this thing of, of sharing. Because we don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to stand before God with a wasted life. And we don't want to stand before God with the loss of other people whose lives could have been changed if we had made an impact. And I'm not trying to guilt you, and I want you to go back thinking, you know, I, I, I remember this kid died in a, in, a, in a motorcycle accident. He was just a young kid. I was a new Christian, and, and uh, I, I, I agonized for months over that. I spent two days just, just in, in a state of deep, dark depression because the kid died uh, in, 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 a, in a horrible state, and, and I knew that he was not a believer. He had actually decried God, you know, he had actually spoke against God, and and. and I had t- time with him, I, I had been around him, and so there was, there was a great agony in me, why did I not share the gospel? Here I was a new Christian, I should have been sharing the gospel, and the enemy came in with a lot of guilt and shame and condemnation and stuff at me about that, and I spent a lot of time in agony over that, and I, I, that is not this message today, okay? There, is, there is, is grace for you, and there is strength for you, and there is courage for you as you go forward, and I don't want you to, to live back there and, well, what if I did this, or what if I did done that or whatever no let's just live in the now all right today is the day of god's favor today is the day of salvation don't live in your past and what you could have or could not have done somewhere in the past. because i'm going to tell you what even though you and i don't do something this isn't letting you off the hook but even though you and i don't do something or we do the wrong thing or we don't do it the best or we don't do it just right god is way bigger than you and i and our stuff all right he'll he'll make up a whole lot of things that you and i screw up All right, because that's the way he is. That's God. He's a redeemer. All right. He just can, he can bring good out of anything. All right. And all things work together for good. All right. For those who believe in a call, according to his purposes. All right. So don't live in that place of regret or, or whatever back there somewhere. Let's come on up and let's live in the now and let's realize that we have an opportunity to share Jesus. Not only is there uh, this, this reverential fear about us, but it's also about them. All right. There there needs to be a motivation in us for them, all right? Meaning the lost. Paul knows that they have to give an account for their lives as well. But I'm going to tell you what, it's a whole different ball game on the other side of the bridge. And you and I need to understand that, and that needs to be a part of us, all right? We need to understand, and we need to know what is going to happen to someone who is lost And these people are going to meet Jesus. And they're going to have a chance to say yes or no to Him. And they're going to to have a chance to accept Christ. I I understand that. But that isn't about you and I and and, rejection and all that kind of... They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. But that's that's between them and God. But you and I have been given this ministry. And it is the ministry of reconciliation. You know how many... It's amazing how many people in the body of Christ... um, Read that and they go, oh, we, we are so uh, fragmented as, as Christians that we actually go to this idea that what he's talking about is that we as Christians need to start liking each other more. And we need to be reconciled with one another. He, no. He has given you the ministry of reconciling people to him. Get it right between one another and move on. Let's let's, let's stop getting frozen in this place of of worrying about what somebody else thinks about us or what was said or what was done or rehashing some meeting or some conversation or this kind of stuff. Let's get on to what is essential, and that is the reconciliation of lost people to the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the really big motivator. It's called love. Love it is Christ's love that compels Paul and it needs to be love that compels you and I so much so it compels Paul that I think once in a while he's off his his trolley cart you know He, he I can't say a couple of things that Paul said Paul said he would be willing to be cursed if his brothers would be saved I'm not ready to make that statement to God personally. I admire him greatly. I, I admire his Christ-likeness. I, I, I'm willing to make some sacrifices. I'm not sure if I'm ready to go that far, being honest with you. But I tell you what, I know that there's room for us to grow in that and to die to ourselves. And, and it's not going to happen by me or anybody else pointing a finger at you and saying, you have to do this. Or making this some law over you. Or lording something over you. It must be Jesus that compels you. It must be that same love that you were captured with that now draws you and compels you to go out. And, and, and if we don't have that love in place, then we, we are going to miss the mark there all right look at verse 14 for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced we're convinced that we've removed the doubt all right we are convinced that one died for all that is Jesus that love of Jesus on the cross is what compels us now all right My question would be, if we're not motivated for this, what do we really believe? Do we really believe that people need Jesus? Do we really believe that Jesus loved us enough to die for our sins? Do we really believe that our sins separate us from God? What do we actually believe? Have we, have we honestly uh, come into agreement with the gospel? Or have we built our own gospel? And are we living out of, out of that that? secret gospel of ours that's on a different track I'm going to tell you what you will see people differently when Jesus really comes into your heart when Jesus really captures your heart you'll start to see people differently you will see them as Jesus and I'm going to tell you something else I believe I believe in my heart of hearts that when you when you are captured by Jesus and you start to see people differently it will strengthen your beliefs your your belief system will rise up in in strength. All right? C.T. Studd said, if Christ be God and died for me, there is nothing too great that I can do for him. If I believe that Jesus is God and I believe that Jesus died for me, then there shouldn't be anything that I would look at to be too great for God to ask of me. And I would not see it too great to share him in this earth. That some might come to know him. We're going to talk about some of the hang ups of witnessing further down the road, but, but uh, one, of the, one of the things that, that we want to address in this series is, is this, this idea that it's all or nothing. It, every time I witness, that person has to accept Christ or I'm an utter failure. That is such a deception. Uh, 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 in this earth, and the and the devil would love for you to be there. He would love for you to leave every meeting, every event, every dinner, every family reunion, every whatever, feeling like a total failure, and as if you blew it. You know, and sometimes we do. You know, when I first got saved, I was so zealous, and my family was so ungodly, and I would just cut a swath. I came in, you know, I was like the proverbial cartoon cowboy, you know I came in with six shooters, both of them ready to go and I drew them you know there you are let's move on now the Holy One has come through town and finally one day God said, you know how about I take that badge off of you How about I just keep that, all right? You're not going to get that one back, all right? Matter of fact, how about you hand me those six shooters, all right? Let me just take those, all right? Matter of fact, let's just get the whole costume off of you. Let's just get you naked before me. And let me show you some things. How How about you just go ahead and die? then I'll bring you back. You trust me? You trust me to do that? My father did it for me. I died and was resurrected. Live with me in the power of the resurrection. Die. See, you can't live in the power of the resurrection until you die. That comes first. And we're very good about getting in the coffin. But we just don't stay there very long. You know? He starts nailing those nails around that, that old wooden coffin. And we start kicking the boards. Whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I, 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 I didn't bargain for that. None of us did. But you see, there's no bargaining going on. There's no negotiation here. It's all or nothing. It's death for life. That's just the way it is going to be. When we get the love of Jesus in us, we will be compelled because of His love. Oh, we got to quit. Uh, let me give you another. Uh, living for Jesus needs to be another motivation. And 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 we go, go a little further down in verse. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. That's this idea of, of dying to yourself, you know, living as a dead man or a dead woman. Because when you, when you live that way, you don't have, you, you don't have all, all of these offenses to carry around. You don't have all these judgments to give out. You don't all have all these critical spirits to, to carry. And, and, and you don't have all of these, these vengeances to fulfill. And you don't, you don't have all these special opinions and, and politically correct things that you want to get across. You don't have agendas anymore because you died. And so now it's Christ living through you. And so it's, it's Christ that, that is, is the, the big deal, all right? So we shouldn't live for ourselves because Jesus has purchased us. We're not our own. Let me tell you about President Lincoln. I like President Lincoln. He's one of my favorite presidents. Um, and he didn't do everything right. I understand that. <clears throat> and uh, I understand that about all of us, me included, you included, you know. But he did, he did some amazing things. And this is one of the stories that I think is just really sweet about him because it doesn't really have to do with his presidency, but about him as, as a man. But he was a president at the time. And it says that he bought a slave girl and he sold her. He bought a slave girl and he sold her. But here's the, here's the difference. Here's the, the differentiation of, of his heart from, from others. He sold her for the elect purpose, the single purpose of setting her free. He had no other, he had no other agenda, no other purpose. He bought her For the sole purpose that he would set her free. And when he he bought her, he took the papers and he signed off on the papers and he handed her the papers and he said, you are free. You can go anywhere you want to. Do whatever you want. You're free. Just go. And she looked at him and she said, I can go anywhere I want to? And he goes, yes. Yes. She said, Good. I'm going to stay right here. And for the rest of my life, sir, Mr. President, I am going to serve you. In my freedom, I will stay right here. And I will serve you. That's it. To lay down your life is to truly be free, to live for Christ. Is everything. And when we live for him, we become like him. And as we become like him, as the writer to the Corinthians says, we persuade people. He goes a little further, though. He says, you've been given this ministry, been given by God, this ministry of reconciling, of rescuing. And then he says, we implore you to be reconciled to God. All right. We employ. We we are we are diligent. We're intentional about this thing. Oh, we'll quit here. The last motivation that I would talk about would be that of new creation. And I think this is one of the things that I would love for us to get a, a good picture, a good a good sense of, and that is this reality that, you know, well, let me say it this way there's a possibility that you and I, we, we've gotten so saved and been saved for so long that we forgot what it was like to be lost. You know, we've forgotten what it was like to be without God and to making decisions in darkness and all of that, you know, and living that way. And now we're just very content in the familiar little comfortable place that, that we are in. But I want to tell you something. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I know the old creature still. I remember him and I thank my God every day that I am a new creature. I didn't say I was a perfect creature, but I'm a new one. That newness isn't in me or anything I can or cannot do. It is in Jesus alone. My newness is in Christ, but I am a new creature today. And I want to tell you what, there's nothing greater than to be able to see someone and see them in the state they are in, but to know that, oh, there's an answer for you and it holds newness. It can take you up out of that place you're in. And it can bring newness. You can be, you can be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ. That is the answer. There's, there's hell out there, and we don't want you to go to hell. And we preach hell here in this church. We preach a whole gospel, okay? So we preach hell. You know, it's out there, all right, but there's so much more than just hell. Oh man, there's like so much more. And that's what we're preaching. That's what we're, we're imploring people to grab a hold of. It's this life that is in God. All right? We are life, church. This newness of life that is in God. That is what we are all about. You have been made those who are reconcilers, rescuers. Because the Christ of God, the resurrected Savior, is in you. And now you have the ministry of rescuing the ministry of reconciliation. So implore, go, go and do what you are called to do, and that is to rescue a dying world from their sin and darkness. In Jesus' name, I implore you, go, go, go now. Stand with me. There's a ton more in that little passage. Just get in it, all right? Just get in there and, and, and work with it and let it speak to you, all right? But that's the why. Last week, this week, put it together. That's the why we believe you need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Michael, thank you for letting me share about your life. Thank you for being here with us today. And there are others that we're going to tell some of your stories along the way here. It's going to be so exciting to hear about how some other people can bring their story into the story of Jesus the Rescuer. Let's pray. God, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you release love over this congregation? Baptize us in your love again today. We pray this often, but we want to be baptized, filled, fresh today, strengthened today by your love and by your power. God, do it in order that we would die to ourselves and live unto you, that you, Jesus, would live through us and we would be the light of the world that we would share this great love and we would be a part of that epic opportunity, that great story of rescue in the earth. Do it, that you may get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you're dismissed. There's food out there. We'll get it real quick, served to you. Eat as fast as you can. All right, and get ready for the cue from Nathan to come back in here, and uh, we'll have discipleship class. God bless you. Have a great week. We love you, and we love being your pastors.